You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MJ Sportscast. Here, my name is Mike Tang. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Jerry Yang. Jerry, how are you doing today? Good, good. Talking about sports, you know, like, I'm a little bit sad, actually. Um, just thinking about the game on Sunday night. <laughs> it was a little depressing in a lot of ways, but we'll, I know we'll dive deep into it. But, you know, like, that, that game was disappointing. Overall, I just think I was pretty disappointed on how the Niners played overall and mm-hmm. disappointed at the results, right? The results didn't work out the way we wanted to, obviously. Um, I think for the Giants, I'm a little bit concerned in some ways, but at the same time, pretty excited about the way things are going there. Um, so yeah, we'll dive into that as well. So how about you, Mike? What's on your mind? Anything? Um, no, were you sad as well as, um, or is just me? <laughs> well, I kind of take all these as, kind of occurrences that happen within um, the day-to-day, you know, behind sports and stuff here. But, you know, when it comes down to it, when you look at how the Bay Area is doing, it's it's kind of um, it's kind of like a sad thing in a way, right? You have the 49ers losing Sunday, then you have the belt news happening on Monday, and then you kind of have like the whole Wiggins situation going on with the Warriors um, this weekend. Who knows how long that's going to be ongoing as well here. So on the positive end, um, it's still early in the football season. Um, it looks like the Giants, you know, have a great chance at clinching the, the NL um, West here and clinching the division. And uh, Warriors, you know, they have a promising um, season coming up here, you know, pending how Wiggins is going to do in terms of what the vaccination process will be like for him. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to say the least. And, you know, NBA season's coming back. I think that in itself is really exciting, right? Like, for me, I, I, I enjoy watching NBA. <laughs> Just having it there, you know, having all the games, especially the Warriors. I, I always look forward to all the games. So I think that's, uh, yeah, I really like your point about things to look forward to. You know, I think it was just a lot of things that compounded. Because even before the game, we've heard about James Wiseman not coming back, right? And Clay yeah. Thompson still taking time to come back. So that kind of perpetuated to the rest of the weekend and pretty much the A's are out, right? I think we'll dig into that, but the A's uh, game pretty much eliminated was a little depressing as well. So so I would say this is like the low point before the highs will come later, hopefully. Yeah. Let's, let's dive a little bit deeper about um, the Sunday night football game with the 49ers and the Packers here. You know, if you if anyone kind of just tuned into that first quarter, it looked like the the 49ers were flat and the pack and the Packers were more prepared than the Niners coaching staff um, there. They came out firing. They were up 17-0 at one point in that first half um, here. The 49ers were not able to establish that running game that they're really known for. Um, and their defense basically kind of let they kind of allowed a lot of big plays and a, and a lot of penalties in terms of, you know, passing interference calls here. Did you see it the same way yourself when you watched that game on Sunday? 
Yeah, I think the way I would break it down, of, like I usually do, I'll look at the highlights and the lowlights, right? So let me yeah. start off with the positive, like the highlights. I think that uh, Trent Canyon kickoff return really ignited the whole team, right? Like after that return, a big kickoff return, I think the offense started getting going. The defense played a lot better. I think it just got the team really excited, right? So I think Trent Canyon in that position was a good move. And, uh, you know, I want to see more of them. You know, maybe more than just special teams and maybe just on the team as well, right? I think we need a solid running back, an RB2, and maybe he can play that role. He definitely has the speed. He has the field of vision. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be key in, in success for that um, running game. So, and I was glad to see IU come back, right? Like, you was a lot more involved. He did drop a pass in the end zone, but... That happens, you know, at least it was targeted. (laughs) The first few games, it was a little bit depressing to see him involved. And I think a lot of people expected Mm -hmm. him to be more involved in this game than he was. And he kind of showed out, hey, he's going to be a good player here. So I think as time goes on, they're going to find more and more usages and more plays for him and getting him more and more involved. So I'm happy that it started early. And he's, he's, he's making his time worth it, right? So... And I think the fact that we came back in the second half was a big highlight. I mean, this game could have been a big blowout. It was a blow in the first half, right? Um, I think we did a good job to end the half with some momentum and scoring a touchdown with Trey Lance. And that made a big difference, you know, like having Trey Lance in there um, threw the defenses off a little bit on the Packers side. And getting that touchdown was a big motivation to come back in the second half. You know, I thought that was a huge thing. And being in the position to even take the lead and potentially win it at the end of the game was big for how we played. <laughs> you know, overall, we didn't play great here. So I think it was good. Um, it was good to have that, that in there. So I think those are the highlights, right? <laughs> and then I'll get into the lowlights. I think the secondary got shredded. I don't think there's any question about that. I think Aaron Rodgers has had a good field vision, MBS and um, Devontae Adams just had their way with him. You know, they all have a good secondary. <laughs> and when Josh Norman went down, that was huge. K1 Williams go down. That was huge, right? And uh, we got a comment, actually, from Woods Up G. Um, in a division with Metcalf, Lockett, Woods, and Cup, and D-Hop, Green, Kirk, and Moore, uh, can 49ers CB stop anyone? The question, right now, I don't see it. <laughs> it's going to be really hard. I think they're going to have to change the way their defensive schemes are going to be. They can't go pressure one-on-one with these guys. I think that's what they try to do here in this game. And that's a big mistake. I think if we can do more of a zone defense and more of a, you know, support, safety support type of defense, then we could potentially do that. We can double up on Metcalf, right? But, you know, it's just really depressing in some ways because I think the Niners knew that going in and they still went with the same type of defense, right? And that, that was horrible. So... You know, in the first half, the offense looked poor, too. I think once you have a poor offense and you don't have a good defense, obviously the Packers are going to come back, right? So, yeah, so yeah, those were kind of my initial thoughts. And then obviously, the last 37 seconds was bad. We can dive into it. But I think they made the right call by getting a touchdown. Uh, I think what was bad was that fumble, right? That big fumble by Jimmy G is what I think was the difference in the game. If you only have to get a field goal, I think you have more time to have – the clock run down, right? And the first half, we saw it was so hard to get a touchdown. I think we just had to go with the best and go and get 
get a touchdown there. So I don't think there was a question about that. But 37 seconds, no stops, and playing weak on prevent defense, I think that was huge. And that goes yeah. on DeMarco Ryan. You know, I think there was a drop off there from Salah. So, anyways, that's my long winded thought on that. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Let's kind of touch upon um, the highlights that you mentioned there. Um, yeah, I mean, that Trent Cannon kickoff return, you know, is that really just a one-off thing, an anomaly? Mm-hmm. Or is that something that's going to happen, you know, consistently here? And we can't really count on that to happen on a week-to-week basis. I think he yeah. just kind of had a lucky hole to run um, in special <laughs> teams and was able to get, you know, some huge yardage there. Well, but, at least he saw the vision, right? Yeah, I think that's what but, people are excited but about. But you also have to imagine if Trent, if Trent Cannon didn't make that run there, we might be down 17-0. Uh, right. in that first half and we may not be even in this game here so fortunately for the 49ers uh we didn't get blown out because i think we lost out on the yards battle there i think the packers um they had more yardage on offense and then we lost out on the turnover battle i don't think the packers even had a turnover right i think it was 2-0 right. where jimmy g threw an interception mm-hmm. in that first half which i don't think it was his fault there he was trying to um throw it to kittle but um that safety made a hell of a play um, to yeah. intercept that pass. He was out of position to intercept it. I think it was a little bit his fault because he underthrew that pass a little bit. Yeah. Right? I think there was a lot of talks about Trey Lance because of that interception, which I think are is a little absurd, right? I don't think yeah. you need to go with Trey Lance just because you know this one underthrow. You know? but, but I agree with you. It's not completely his fault. I think the Packers guy made a really good play there. So. Yeah, so that resulted in a turnover. And then um, you mentioned the Jimmy Garoppolo fumble. Um, there, which I thought was really, really, really bad play, to be honest sloppy, with you. As, right? Especially sloppy. that's the only word that comes in my mind. Sloppy. Dude. Yeah, especially <laughs> at that juncture of the game there, where you know you're trying to you know march down the field in the fourth quarter, and those two turnovers resulted in Packers points. Right? I think the Packers right. um, they turned that first turnover into a touchdown, and then that second turnover into a field goal, and we end up losing by two points in result of that right so you got to look at the turnover um battle and we definitely lost out on that um there um if we want to look at some other highlights i liked how uh, they implemented kyle yuschek um into the running game um here um you kind of have to wonder about their confidence in guys like trey sermon and some of the free agent pickups that they made in these last couple weeks because they they were not used at all i think a couple of them were active and they were not even in the game Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of funny to say, you know, you're going to miss a six round pick. But we really <laughs> do miss a six round pick in Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell. this past yeah. week here. Um, you know, I think the positive is Sher- Sherman. <laughs> I always pronounce the name wrong, right? But Sherman, Trey Sherman, I think he did better, right? I think he actually, you know, I think the moment got to him, is what I think, in the first half. He just felt a moment and felt a lot of pressure to play. Maybe there's feeling a little bit effects of that concussion. We don't know, right? I think yeah. that's also unknown there. But I think he played a lot better in the second half. You know, I thought he picked up his game a little bit. He got a touchdown. I think that was a great dive by him. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. We got Trent Kenyon. We promoted Carry On Johnson to the main roster. So mm-hmm. why didn't we play him the least for a little bit, right? Um, yeah. So that was a little bit of a head scratcher. So we got another comment from What's Up, G. Rank from best to worst of QBs and NFC West. So best, I would say Russell Wilson. And 
maybe Kyler next. <laughs> I, I, for sure, I think Jimmy G's last. Would you agree yeah. with that? In our division? Yeah. yeah, if I was to rank it um, from top to bottom, I would rank Kyler Murray on number one at this point. I think he's going to be a leading candidate to be the MVP of the NFL um, this season here. Uh, Russell Wilson's proven on there. We know what he brings to the table. And I think Matthew Stafford would be third on yeah. that list there. And Jimmy Garoppolo would be the last quarterback out of that uh out of that list yep, um, with us. yeah that was a great comment you know uh, very spontaneous there um yeah, let's kind of <laughs> let's kind of talk a little bit more about that secondary because this was a weakness coming into this game here uh we kind of know all of, we know all about the injuries they didn't they decided not to go with Richard Sherman um here they decided not to sign him or they wanted to wait or whatnot but Richard Sher Richard Sherman has signed with the Buccaneers uh, this week. They're joining Tom Brady and that team. So there goes an, a contributing body who knows our system very well here. You know, that guy's that guy's at an NFC rival now, right? Mm -hmm. So what are we gonna do with our secondary? Because we have Josh Norman coughing out blood there with some bruised chest muscles, right? And he had to get out of the game, right? And we have a couple rookies on this roster. One in Lenore, who looks okay, he looks okay, but gets beat here and there, right? And then you have a guy like Ambry Thomas waiting on the wings there, which I don't know if the coaches really trust on a week-to-week -week basis. He wasn't even active. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. active. <laughs> so was it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge issue, right? And it was a huge issue during those last 37 seconds in the game because none of those cornerbacks were really well aware of the situation. Mm -hmm. And then you have to wonder if a guy like Richard Sherman was on the field, if he would be more conscious and tell the defense how to play that, how to play versus the Packers offense during that last 37 seconds. Right. And I think the big uh, um, underestimation <clears throat> is losing K1 Williams. I think that slot yeah. quarterback, nickel quarterback position is actually pretty key because he kind of runs the defense um, from the secondary perspective and have those type of field of vision. And I think what you said about Lindor is right because they put him in that nickel position. And I think that's a lot to put on a rookie quarterback that isn't used to play that position, right? I think Lindor is more of a boundary quarterback. So I think to solve the boundary quarterback problem is we just have to keep putting Lindor out there and hope he gets better, unfortunately, right? I think him and Mosley... And um, uh, Jaquarsi Tart, I think, mm -hmm. would have to just kind of fill it in. And, you know, we have some of the safeties like Jimmy Ward out there that could help out. So I think we'll be okay from a secondary, um, boundary secondary position. The key thing is going to be that nickel back position, right? The nickel uh, quarterback position. And they signed Buster Shring uh, off the streets to kind of fill that in. Yeah. Don't know what this guy can bring. <laughs> you know? I think they just needed someone with experience to kind of fill in K1 Williams' shoes. And that means K1 Williams is going to miss multiple weeks. And he's always been injury prone, right? Yeah. So I'm a little bit surprised that John Lynch didn't put a backup plan there. You know, like I thought Aubrey Thomas was going to be that guy, but it doesn't sound like it, right? He doesn't have the experience, it sounds like, to play in there and the team doesn't trust him. But at some point, you have to put Humphrey Thomas in there. You drafted him in the third round, so you got to do something, you know. <laughs> like, right. Otherwise, you wasted that pick. I think that's, I think that's a theme of John Lynch's like draft this season. Is he's kind of wasting picks because Aaron Banks not active, right? 
Aubrey Thomas not active. Uh, Trey Sherman not active until this last game, right? <laughs> or the last game before, he was used as a third back, right? Yeah. It's wasting that pick. Trey Lance, we know that situation. That's understandable. But come on, your top four picks mostly are inactive and they're healthy yeah. scratches. That's And then that's you boring. also have to include Hufanga in there too, the safety. He hasn't really yeah. seen the field at all as a – He's only been playing special teams here. So we're not drafting guys to play special teams. You know, we have to draft guys who can make a contribution on the defensive end. Um, so that's really a huge issue here. And then another thing to note about the defense real quick is just that defensive line play. We There was really no pressure on Aaron Rodgers at all, especially during that last drive. And, you know, they controlled Nick Bosa really well. Um, yeah. He had no sacks. Yeah, these are and, backup linemen, right? Because their yeah. starting linemen are all hurt. Like, you know, it was it was a surprise. And I think that's also because Aaron Rodgers has a quick release that has something to do with it. But overall, we should have we should have more sacks on them, right? I think that yeah. I think it was only one sack on Aaron Rodgers. That was a huge shocker. And did you so see that, did you see D Ford in there at all? Um and during some big plays? Because yeah, you would think, I think like he was in there, but he wasn't a presence, right? Like the right. fact you're asking about it yeah. means that he didn't make an impact, you know. So that's a shocker. Um I just I'll give credit to the Packers offensive line. I think they they stepped it up. They played their be- they played like they were desperate, right? I think the Niners were kind of resting on their laurels a little bit. Yeah. And that's what we saw. That's what we got. You know, so disappointing. But like I said, overall, I think we should have lost by more. Um, the fact we were able to come back in the second half and had an opportunity to win, to me, it was a big big boost a big uh, surprise so yeah now yeah. i guess moving forward how do we build upon this right <laughs> i think overall we're still a 2-1 team we won two on the road we almost won this team and became 3-0 but now we're playing a seattle team that's one and two was also coming off a loss who's going to be more hungry right yeah yeah it's going to be interesting here because the ultimate question every week here and also what our commenter mentioned too is how are we going to go how are we going to defend these wide receiver ones from the other team um, yeah. especially with the kind of talent that we have in our backfield right our our best player in the backfield is jimmy ward and he doesn't really play cornerback right no. so how are we really going to defend that right and you know what i've what i've yeah. always tried to um kind of relate in relation to basketball you know is that kind mm-hmm. of that um that box and one defense right where in basketball, you have a five on five, and then you, yep. you guard that one person guards that best player, and then the rest of the four players they play a zone defense around them. So that's maybe a, a kind of um, defense that the 49ers can implement against these um, these players, right? You put man on man coverage onto their top wide receiver, and then you play some type of blanket zone around around that area as well here. So that's something that D'Amico Ryan should look into because there's really no answer on how we're going to guard these players, at least man-to-man coverage. I feel like you're going to give up a lot, though, if you do that, right? Especially to a good running back. So someone like Chris Carson would totally take advantage of that situation. You know, so they have to account for that now. I think that's that's the only give and take, right? You're going to have to give up some yards, give up some first downs. And I think this whole like emphasis on blitzing is not working when you have a line that's doing well and and a running quarterback, right? I think the whole almost the whole division have mobile quarterbacks. And so I think that's where where we have to see. So but 
I mean, I believe in the team. I think they'll get creative. They'll be able to figure this out. So we'll be interested to see the next game, what adjustments they make. So uh, we got a comment from Jeannie Lou. I'm going to the game Sunday, so I hope they win. Seahawks fans are unbearable. I agree. Well, not really agree. <laughs> but I, do, I, I do agree that I hope they win. I don't think Seahawks fans are unbearable. They, they won. They're winners, so they're... they're uh, they're going to play or act that way, right? So <laughs> they're not going to be an easy matchup, though. Division matchups are always tough. Yeah. And at least we're at home this for this first game. I just wonder who's going to be hungrier. That's all. So Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I'm hoping that the 49ers will bounce back, right? Because a lot of fans mm-hmm. thought that, okay, fans will be back during this this last this last Sunday, this will give them a jolt. This will be able to propel them to a victory. And it definitely mm-hmm. did not. So we're going to have to see, right? So um, a lot of these matchups are like coin flips, right? Especially with the Seahawks. You know, it really comes down to a few plays, and it also comes down to the turnover battle. Um, So I'm very anxious to see how that's going to turn out for them. Yep, agreed. All right, let's move on to Major League Baseball here. Um, The Giants have been winning. The Dodgers have been winning. It's been neck to neck. I think the Giants, uh, what's their victory count now? 103, 104 games or so yep. um, here. Uh, they have the best record in baseball still, but the Dodgers keep on winning, right? Um, there's what? I think there's five games left to play um, yep. here. The Giants' magic number is four. So four meaning four Giants, a combination of Giants wins and Dodgers losses. So if the Giants just win four games the rest of the way, they could win the division. If the Giants win two games and the Dodgers lose two games, we win the division here. I think it, I think we're in pretty good shape, to be honest. What are your What are your thoughts? So we have a comment from What's Up G. With five games left, I think the Dodgers need to run the table just tie the division. Do you think the Giants can win at least four of the five games? My answer is absolutely. I mean, we have Arizona, two games with Arizona, and I believe and the- another three games with uh, San Diego. Yeah. Right. If I'm not mistaken. So, absolutely. I think we just need to win at least two. We're, we're pretty much locked, I feel like, at this point. And I think we, you know, have the advantage in terms of Arizona um, isn't that good. And we have every team at home. You know, I think for San Diego, it doesn't matter as much, I feel like, because we do pretty well in San Diego overall. But yeah, I'm excited, though. I think match number four, that's awesome. That is really great. You know? <laughs> And so I think, uh, so Genie says, yeah, the Dodgers are playing the Brewers at the end. That's a tough team to play with the pressure on them. So agreed. So I think, you know, even though the Brewers clinch, they still have a lot of talent on the team. So definitely a harder path, right? But, but yeah, I, I just like how we control our own destiny. I think one thing we'll talk about now is the Brandon Belt fracture. So it sounds like, the latest I heard is four weeks out, which essentially puts them out of our division playoff games. And I think the division and conference playoff games are out. So the earliest I think they'll be back is the World Series if we get there. So are you concerned? I feel like I'm not as concerned because I feel like this team's really balanced. And watch the last game, I mean, Crawford and Posey, especially Posey, I think really stepped it up. He had really um, good at-bats. And mm-hmm. Crawford has a lot of power too. So... I think we'll be okay. I think Darren Ruff is coming back as well. 
I think that'll fill in some gaps too. Is it was just kind of weird, you know, like that that injury was such a freak injury with the bunt situation. Um, pretty surprised by that. So, do, do you know if that's a, like pretty common thing, or what's your feeling on this? I know a lot of people are pretty disappointed because Brandon Belt's been pretty injury prone, and this couldn't come at a worse time. Right? Yeah, this was just another freak accident that Belt has encountered here. In addition to some of his other injuries, which involve like concussions, getting thrown in the mm-hmm. head um, here, um, he could have elected to have season ending surgery on his knee, but he decided not to this season. So he's a gamer, right? Mm-hmm. But his career has been plagued by injuries, right? He's missed a lot of games here. And it's always going to be a concern when you lose your best hitter in the lineup, right? Especially a guy who's hit 29 home runs for you, leads the team in that area. Um, is really good defensively. So the Giants are going to lose a lot defensively too, especially with Ruff and uh, Wilmer Flores playing that position um, here. And you're going to need a guy that's Brandon, that's like Brandon Belt's caliber, a left-handed power hitter in that middle of the lineup, especially in the playoffs here. So it's definitely a concern. Luckily, we have a lot of depth, and that's what a lot of people are referring to um, there. When you have Ruff, Wilmer Flores, uh you have Lamont Wade um, in there, mm-hmm. but it's it's definitely a blow, right? And it kind of reduces the Giants' chances of winning it all when you lose a player like that here. Yeah, the captain. The... We lost the captain, right? <laughs> I think he was right. also uplifting the spirits of the team too. You know, and... yeah. yeah. A lot of fans are really upset at why Brandon Belt was showing blunt there because he's like the number three, number four hitter. Why, why is your power hitter even considering a bunt? And why he's doing that is because he wants to at least make opposing managers in the present and also in the future um, debate about using the infield shift against a player like Brandon Belt. So Brandon Belt will sometimes show that bunt. Sometimes he will put that bunt in to get, to get, a, to get a hit down the third base line to, have, to try to keep the defense honest. But at the same time, you... I can understand why fans are upset because a lot of hitters, a lot of power hitters, they don't give a crap about the shift, right? If you show the shift, we're just going to, I'm just going to hit it over your head. You know what I mean? And that's what Barry Bonds used to think all the time when he encountered infield shifts all during his playing career. So I can understand where belt is coming from and I can understand the giants fans frustrations behind why he's trying to bunt because if he didn't try to bunt, he would be able to get away from that pitch. So, yeah, do you remember that one clip on YouTube where Dave Kapler was or Dave Kapler was on the Phillies? Um, yeah, I, I remember it. I was <laughs> just watching, I was actually just watching that um replay here. I guess, um, when Kapler was the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, Brandon Belt showed the bunt on 3 1. And then, right after that bunt attempt, you could see Gabe Kapler mouthing, You're the freaking San Francisco Giants. Um, you're, you're batting fourth. You're batting yeah. fourth for the freaking Giants. Go swing the freaking bat, you know? Yeah. And it's just and very ironic. Team, right? And it's just very <laughs> ironic how it's come full circle where now they're both on the same team and this incident happens. Right, yeah. right. I'll, I'll retweet that video, but I couldn't stop thinking about that video when that happened because I thought that was really ironic. And, you know, you know, it happens in baseball. All I can say is I hope he comes back for the World Series and we're there, right? That'd be ideal situation is to 
make it to the World Series and yeah. have Brandon Belt as you know, And you know, in the past, we've lost but, players during our World Series runs here. 2010, we lost Jose Guillen, our starting right fielder due to uh, steroids during the last week yeah. of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then That's you had cool. a guy like Cody Ross step in and you know what he did in that postseason, right? We lost Miguel Caprera um, during 2012. Oh, He's right. our number, he was our number three hitter, right? Due to, you know, performance enhancing drugs as well. So yeah. I think this team will be able to bounce back here. It's just in the short term, it's a big blow because yeah. Brendan Belt was the hottest hitter probably in baseball, right? Yeah. So they could make a case for MVP, right? I think yeah. <laughs> for the NL yeah, MVP. So, so yeah, um, I guess let's move on to Thursday's game. Um, we're going to have Bumgarner back. So are you excited to see him back? <laughs> I just kind of put that in there because, you know, when I think about playoff runs and World Series victories, Bumgarner has always been the guy I thought about. It's kind of weird this year where he's not the guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think it'll be kind of cool to see him back, especially first time um, with fans, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like That's the cool. I feel like the whole idea of him coming back has is kind of um, I don't know. It's it's not yeah. as ex, it's not <laughs> as exciting anymore because he's already came back a few times, right? That's true. And we've watched him on TV playing against the Giants, but it'll be kind of cool to see the what you know whatever standing ovation that he provides here. But as a fan, I still want to beat the crap out of Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. And, so that was my next question. Do you think there's any advantages of him being a former player that Buster Posey knows his tendencies, right? So I'm assuming mm -hmm. Buster's gonna be catching. I mean, it could may not be, but I'm assuming he is. Do you think that gives a lot of advantages to some of the batters where he kind of gives some tips to other people? Or what do you think? I think it's half and half here. Um yeah, a lot of the offensive hitters know Madison Bumgarner and what he pitches, but then they also they haven't really faced him too much, right? At the batter's box. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a different story there. But I think Madison Bumgarner is what one and one against us. He's pitched he's yeah. pitched fairly well against the Giants um, here. Mm. So it's going to be very interesting to see. It's going to be a tough game, I can imagine, right? Because I think he's going to bring his best stuff um, to the table on Thursday. Yeah. Let's talk about the Oakland A's because the Oakland A's are tail are tailing um, towards a non playoff finish here. And I think the, the stat that I showed you, Jerry, this week was them losing 11 straight um, to the Seattle Mariners. And, yeah, they lost yesterday, too. Oh, and I and yeah. I feel like when you're a contending team and you're looking to make the playoffs, you don't lose 11 straight to any team, right? And especially to a division rival um, here. Who's also competing for the wild, last wild card spot, right? So now yeah. the Mariners are actually one game out of wild card contention, which is huge right yeah. um while the a's are what three and a half out with four games left and they're playing the mariners again it's not looking good not looking good. <laughs> i just had to bring this up because i feel kind of sad for all our oakland a's fans um just you know this season i think is kind of encompassing what the a's have always been you know they've always looked good and then kind of disappoint towards the end of the season you know so i hope I don't think in their new stadium, it really changes them around like they say it would, but not really hopeful on my end, to be honest with you. So I think it's going to be more or less the same thing, as long as the same ownership is there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like the same old story, right? Where you kind of come out come up short here. It's pretty sad to see Marcus Simeon leave the A's and then produce pretty damn good numbers yeah. for the Toronto Blue Jays here. Um, and it's just it's just the same old story, right? Where it looks like they're going to have to migrate their team to elevate their payroll to get more better players on the roster. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel so, like that's also an excuse, right? I mean, you can elevate the payroll anytime. It's not like the A's games aren't selling out right now. <laughs> you know, I know there's still a lot of diehard Oakland A's fans that go to every single game and things like that. So, it's But it's not enough. It's game. just not yeah. enough. You know, that, yeah, there are diehard A's fans, but when you're having like 9,000, 10,000 people in attendance to come to your games, it's it's not enough. Maybe even less than that on some weeknights. So, it's a tough battle here. Um, the A's are, you know, they're going to have to do some retooling in this offseason. They're going to make some tough decisions. And they have, you know, a couple uh, free agents that are coming up here. And it looks like they're not going to be able to pay them. So you're going to have to replace those two guys as well. Yeah. Great. All right. Let's move on to the NBA here. Um, the Warriors had media day um, this, this week. And... You know, a lot of the players came out, uh, most notably Clay Thompson, uh, James Weissman spoke to the media, Steph Curry, uh, Draymond, Draymond Green um, was not in attendance uh, with an excuse absence um, this week as well. But I think the biggest news here is Andrew Wiggins and his um, decision not to get vaccinated um, here. And what are your thoughts about that? Um, do you think do you think him being unvaccinated is his choice and that he should stick with something um, like like that? Or should or is he being a little bit um, I don't want to say selfish, but difficult. <laughs> yeah, difficult in relation to this, because when when you look at the rules, right, they say like Bay Area, California teams, you have to be vaccinated if you're going to play. And that's not just within the Golden State Warriors confines. You have to be. That, that also in, is in relation to Sacramento. That's also if you're a visiting player in L.A., right? So it's not just missing your home games at Chase Center. You're also missing a whole bunch of games in California as well um, here. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's I think a concern. I think it's a huge concern here. And I think at the end of the day, Wiggins will have to make a choice because are you going to lose $15, $16, 17000000 million of money to do this? Yeah. You know, and usually when it comes down to these type of decisions, I feel like it's always going to be about the money, right? When you start losing money out of your bank account, that's when you're going to have real. to, that's <laughs> when it gets real. So what are your thoughts? What are your quick thoughts about this, Jerry? So what's interesting is I think uh, they mentioned that 90% of the NBA is actually vaccinated. So that translates to roughly two players per team that's not yeah. vaccinated mm -hmm. and my guess is Wiggins is the only unvaccinated player on the team so in yeah. some ways I feel like it's really selfish of him right in some ways because you're going to jeopardize the team's best chance to win so what kind of team player are you there and also the unvaccinated role isn't just for players it's for anyone that goes to the game including concession people including fans right um san francisco made it mandatory for for those people to do it right i think the biggest difference for i think la and sacramento is that they can also get tested 72 hours before mm -hmm. right so where san francisco it's mandatory vaccination you know so my opinion though like just get vaccinated to like get the john's job do something that's like you know 
that's going to help the team. You know, I kind of felt this way about the Niners and I'm going to feel this way about the Warriors. I just feel like if everyone else is doing it and you want to be a team player, you can do it. And I feel like right now, this is how our society is heading anyways, with not just NBA, with just employment in general. I think a lot of companies are making their employees get vaccinated or they find employment somewhere else, you know? And I think it's a tricky subject because it brings up a lot of ethical concerns as well. You know, like, well, if you don't believe in vaccination and you're being forced into something, it's doesn't seem unfair, right? So yeah. Yeah, I kind of totally understand that as well. And we had a comment from What's Up G earlier where he mentioned, what do the Warriors do with Wiggins? Trade them pennies on the dollar or pay him half or play him in half the season? So oh, I'm not sure, man. At this point, maybe. Well, his value right now is at his lowest, right? Especially yeah, exactly. when it comes down to um, this kind of news here. So I don't really see them trading him right now. I think it's an option, and I and I'm sure they've talked about it internally, right? But yeah. would you trade a would you trade a guy like Wiggins for Ben Simmons at this point, right? That's going to be the ultimate uh, question. And I think the the Sixers value Ben Simmons a lot more than Andrew Wiggins, so the right. the Warriors would have to give up a a little bit of a better package when it comes down to Wiggins and Ben Simmons here. Uh, but I think they're going to wait. I think they're just going to play the waiting game here and just allow Wiggins to, you know, if he decides not to play, then he's just going to lose out on pay. Yeah, I think October 3rd or 4th, I think, was the deadline where if he were to get the Johnson Johnson backs, it'll be like two weeks after that, then he'll be ready to go for the season, right? So so we'll find out around then. So I think the next episode we'll know if he's gotten it or not. Or maybe we might not, right, because he might – you might not reveal it, and then we'll see him on game day or something. <laughs> but definitely interesting, something that came up. And it was up to you also mentioned the vaccination rule doesn't apply to visiting team, only home teams. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I, I didn't know that was the case. Maybe it's because they weren't employees. <laughs> but yeah. I know fans have to get vaccinated to go through the games, right? So that's mm-hmm. uh, that's a huge thing in San Francisco. But yeah, all right. anyways, that's all Let's I have to move. say about that. And leave your comments if you disagree, but I think that's our viewpoints there. So Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to the picks, Jerry. All right, let's go. So we have Seattle Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers this weekend. The spread is Niners minus three. And the over-under is pretty high. It's 52. I think this moved actually from 46 to 52. Uh, who do you have? Well, wow, that's a very tight line here, but I'm going to pick the 49ers um, in this game here. I think they're going to win by like four to five points. It's going to be a close game. I think the 49ers will get the running game moving, right? They're going to try to establish the run. They're going to try to figure out something defensively to stop the wide receivers um, here. And um, I think they're going to try to contain Russell Wilson as well. So I think the 49ers, um, they're going to, they're going to come up firing. I think they're going to come up maybe 14 to seven to start the, the game. They're going to try to establish the ground game. They're going to try to, you know, take that, take advantage of the clock here. Um, so I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than 52. I think the game is probably going to be somewhere along the lines of like 20, 28 to like 20 or something like that here, 28 to 21. Um, what are your thoughts about this game? 
Yeah, this was a tough one, right, for me, at least. I think, um, yeah, I think the Niners will win. So I'll go with the Niners minus three. I usually yeah. like, you know, not worry about the spread, just going with the team I think will win, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the Niners will win. I think they have their home. They have to show up, especially after the last disappointing loss. I don't see Hoster coming off a loss as well, but I think the Niners be at home. They have time to kind of regroup. Kind of redefine, you know, some of the off defensive schemes and offensive schemes and things like that. So I think they'll win. So that's Niners minus three. The over under is the part that I'm struggling with, right? Because there's yeah. two two trains of thought here. One is if you go with the under, you believe that there's going to be a time of possession game. You're trying to run the ball a lot, trying to um, be that team that controls the ball, right? Because their offenses are good on both teams. I think. Both teams, we have a pretty strong offense, mm-hmm. but I think both teams have pretty weak defenses in terms of, especially on the secondary perspective, right? So I think that's an argument for the under. Argument for the over is, well, if both defenses are bad, why can't they score a lot, right? <laughs> and I think our linebackers on both sides are actually pretty good. So you might not be able to run the ball a lot. Um, so that time possession game might not be there. So I, I kind of like the latter argument a lot more. So I'm going to go with the over, especially with the line moving that way. I think that's why the line's moving that way. So I'm going to go over 52. So. Okay. That's a that's a good pick. It could go either way, to be honest with you. Uh, okay. So the Giants versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Alex Wood returns. So left-handed pitcher Alex Wood going 10-4 this season with a 4.0 ERA, 146 strikeouts. He's going to go up against Merrill Kelly, the right-handed pitcher, 7-11. That's his record. With a mm-hmm. 4.59 ERA and 126 strikeouts. So the Arizona Diamondbacks are under odds at plus 225. So you bet 100 to win you know, more than twice their money, so 225. Um, and then the Giants are favored at minus 275, so they're pretty heavy favorites here. And the over-under is eight, which is right down the middle, right? So yeah. what do you have? This is a tough one because Merrill Kelly pitched the Giants uh, pretty well um, a few times this season here. He pitched like eight shutout innings, I believe, at one point against the Giants. But I think the Giants – are hungry. I think they're at home. Um, I think they're going to rally behind Alex Wood here because Alex Wood has come back and he's pitched fairly well, right, from coming back from COVID. So it's going to be a tough one, but I think the Giants know they have to win this one because the Bumgarner game on Thursday is going to be tough. So I'm going to pick the Giants here, and I think it's going to be over. I think it's going to be like a 5-3, 5-4 type matchup. What are your analysis of this game? Okay, so I, I am going with the Giants as well because I think um, our offense is just a lot better. And even our defense is better, right? The pitcher might be better, but yeah. you know, watching yesterday's game, they make a lot of mistakes on defense on the Diamondback side. And I think we kind of made a little bit of a mistake when Wade played first, but I think that gets cleaned up. And we're just going to do a lot better on that front. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants. I do disagree with you on the over-under. I'm probably going to go with the under here, mainly because I feel like what you said, Merrill Kelly's a lot better than he looks, and that's on uh, paper, right? He's a lot better. And same with Alex Woods, right? I think they're pretty comparable players in a lot of ways, too. 
So, so yeah, I'll go with Dodgers here. I, I think it's going to be a pretty tight game overall. Okay. Okay, Oakland A's versus Seattle Mariners. I think this will be the last time we talk about the A's, probably in terms of picks. <laughs> um, so I feel like we have to give them their due anyways. So Oakland A's going to have Frankie Matas, right-handed pitcher, 13-9 with a 3.48 ERA. He has 200 strikeouts. Pretty impressive. They're going to play in Seattle against Logan Gilbert, who is a right-handed pitcher, who is 6-5, and and a 4.83 ERA with a 124 strikeout. And what's interesting about the lines this week for both teams is they're both minus 110, which means it's a toss-up, right? Vegas is version of a toss-up or just money line, basically, is minus 110, which is unusual in baseball. In football, you see that all the time, but baseball, pretty unusual, right? Yeah. And over-under is eight, so right down the middle. Uh, who do you have? Well, the A's have lost 11 straight to the Mariners here. And <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's the truth, right? It has, you have to kind of factor that in when you're looking at a lot of this stuff because you have one team who has complete ownage against the other, right? But I think the A's have too much pride. I think they cannot lose 12 straight to the Mariners here. They cannot. And they have one of their aces on the mound in Montas. He's been pitching fairly well this season um, here. I think the Oakland A's are going to pull it off. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a concrete reason why. I just have a. I just have gut that. Feel I just have that gut feeling that the A's will pull this off. They're going to win at least one against the Mariners this season, um, here. And I'm going to pick the under. I think the A's are going to come out to play in this game. Um, they're going to play well defensively. They're going to pitch well. I'm going to go with the under. It's going to be four to three A's. What are your thoughts? So I'll go with the under because I think it's going to be like a playoff game for the A's. You know, their version of the A's to break the streak, this Lucy yeah. streak. <laughs> so I'll go with the under. But it's in Seattle. Tough place to play. A's, they're not going to do it. So Seattle's my pick here. Sorry. Mm -hmm. All fans, right. So you, you, you predict 12 in a row. Use. <laughs> All right. 12 in a row, I guess, huh? 12 in a row. Sorry, A's fans, but... You know what? Blame your blame Billy Bean. Don't blame me. You know. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, that wraps up this week's episode here. Um, can you say thank you to all the commenters? Um, that yeah. Was so, what's up, G and Jeannie Lou from Facebook, and what's up, G from uh, Twitch? So, thank you very much for your comments and your questions. Um, like it really adds to the show when you guys comment. You know. And, especially when we make mistakes on things, right? So that's uh, much appreciated when, when we get that live feedback. So, so yeah, so anyone who listens to the show, feel free to join uh, Facebook, Twitch, or um, Twitter who are on there. So feel free to leave comments there. Yeah, and if also if anyone's interested in becoming a guest um, for our show too, we also welcome any guests here. So you can, uh, re you know, tweet to us here, reach out to us on social media, um, yeah. We'll be glad to discuss that internally and see if 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 it would be a good fit. Yep, agreed. All right, guys. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. That is the show for today. Go 49ers, go Giants, and go Oakland A's against the Mariners. Take care, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike 408 
at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.